Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, God, we're not gathered here together just because it's tradition. God, we're, we're here because we believe that you are alive and that you're real and that you're present. God, we believe the good news that none of us, none of us in this room, no pastor, no lame, no lame person, no church member, no man, woman, or child, none of us are worthy. None of us are good enough. We believe that you are more than gracious enough. You're more than kind. And you've given us all access to the death of your son. God, that's why we're here today. So God, I pray for the rest of our time as we continue to worship. God, I pray you would help me to teach. God, I need your help. I'm not embarrassed to say that. I need you. God, I also pray for every single one of us in here. God, I pray you give all of us ears to hear what you would say to us. God, we need your help to listen. So I ask that you would do that. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, y'all were singing this morning. I don't know if y'all picked up on that. I like it. Go team, go. Um, I, I, this morning, we're continuing our series here. Uh, our, we've been doing an Easter series in Matthew. And so let me just tell you, as you uh, turn in, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, I just want to tell you a little bit about me. I was in ninth grade when Jesus first grabbed my heart. It was the end of my ninth grade year, right around spring break time. And Jesus got a hold of me in a way that forever changed my life. And I, I still remember it. I, I remember there was this feeling that God was almost chasing me down. I felt like he was calling me and he was working in my heart. And, and I was, I don't know how to explain it. There was nervousness. I was hesitant. Um, there was probably a little bit of fear. There was this resistance for me that as he was calling, I was saying, I, I don't know. Like I, it, it was hard because I grew up in church. I knew all the, the Bible stories. I grew up in this church. And for that call to be happening in my heart in ninth grade, it, it was a big deal for me. And when I finally said, you know what? I, I don't want to play this game or I don't want to resist anymore. I, I'm just going to accept him and I'm, just, I'm all in. Man, when that happened, all that fear, all that hesitation, all that anxiety, it was replaced with this happiness and this satisfaction and this excitement. Uh, it, it was awesome. There was a, a lot of bumps in the road along the way after that. And I'm sure I got a whole bunch of bumps in the road on the way in front of me in my journey to know and follow Jesus. It hasn't been perfect. I wouldn't say that at all. But, but there's still this thing for me that still to this day, when I'm in the Bible and I'm reading about the person of Jesus... When, when I see what he does and how he teaches and the things that he does, it still does something inside of me. Now, not every time, sometimes my heart is cold to it, but there's times still when I read about who he is, it, it burns in me. There's a guy named Tozer. He referred to it as the fellowship of the burning hearts. There's this society of people who, when they meet Jesus, something happens inside of them. Like there, there's something that burns Right, it's not boring, it's not dull. There's this almost like an ache and a hunger. It literally feels like a fire inside of you. And, and I gotta be honest, the thing that I love about what we've been doing the last couple of weeks is we've been looking at who Jesus is and it's been awesome. But, but I also would not be lying to you if I didn't say there's times I get really frustrated because when I read the Bible and I see who Jesus is and then I, I, I listen to, oh man, I'm going to get critical here. I hope you don't mind. But I listen to some sermons and I visit other churches at times. And I got to be honest, 
It does not make me happy when I hear or see a version of Jesus that doesn't seem to match what I see in the word, right? Have y'all experienced that? Like, it's like this thing, like, wait, that, that Jesus, like, I don't know, like this Jesus in the Bible, he seems really nice to really broken people. And I don't know what to do with this, that Jesus seems to really love the outcast, the poor, the addicted, the destitute, the people whose life is a wreck, and they seem to love Jesus and encounter him and get changed. And then I bump into the church, and the church feels like a place that can be really mean to the outcast. That the last place you want to be if you got issues is a church. That frustrate anyone else? Or sometimes I hear people describe Jesus, and he's so like weak. Like weak, scrawny, kind of like a wussy guy. Like I don't, am I allowed to say wussy as a pastor? I don't even know. I just kind of, he's just a wuss, man. Like you hear, he never says anything direct and pointed. It's all hugs and kisses. And then we see him walk into town and dude walks into the temple. And the first thing he does is start flipping some tables and running people out and saying, you better stop it. Like, okay, wait a second. Like I know he likes really broken people, but dude, there's a, there's like an edge to him. Like there's, there's this point to who Jesus is that isn't soft and fluffy. He's, he can be a little scary. And sometimes we don't like scary, so we soften the edges. Listen, he, it doesn't do us any good to try to edit who he is. That's not going to help us. We got to see who he is and either accept it or reject it. That's the option. And, and, and today, as we go through what we're about to go through, I, I feel like there's a message for all of us in here. And I, I'm concerned for every single one of us that we would hear what Jesus would say to us today. The real Jesus, not my version of him, not a church's version of him, his own version of himself. That's what we want. So let me tell you what's been going on here. Jesus rolls into town. That would have been last Sunday, would have been Palm Sunday. He rolls into town like he is in charge. It doesn't look like that for us. He's rolling on a donkey. Uh, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust that cultural thing. That doesn't work for us. You're on a town on a donkey, we're not impressed. But back then you're on a town on a donkey the way he did. Dude, crowds are screaming. They're cutting off palm branches. Like that donkey can't touch the dirt. They're taking their jackets off and putting it on the ground. They're screaming and, and shouting, the king has come, the king has come. Like, Hosanna, this is awesome. Like they, it's a party. The whole city is in an uproar. He walks into town, just like I said, goes to the temple. I mean, out of the gate, the first thing Jesus does at the biggest festival for the Jews is he walks into the temple right in the middle of the courtyard of the Gentiles where all the outsiders would come to pray and they had set up a market there and he flips tables, he runs everyone out. What's he doing? He's given all the outsiders access. He wants to make sure that no religious people get to put any hurdles up for, for the unreligious to come and meet God. He's not going to let those church games or those temple games, he ain't going to let you do that when he shows up into town. He flips the tables, he rips the, the pews up, he changes the foyer, he changes your program to make sure that the unreached have access to him. So different than church sometimes. That's what, that's what he does. He comes into town in charge and he gives people access. Now listen, you do that and dude, the religious are going to get a little upset. Right? I mean, can we be honest? You roll into town visiting on Easter Sunday, and if you're out in the foyer flipping tables, we're going to call the cops on you. Are, are y'all going to be offended by that? 
Okay, don't be offended because you start screaming, walking in there in the middle of the service. I'm like, listen, call the cops, get that dude out of here. You can't be acting all crazy. But Jesus rolls in there and flips tables. And so the religious get upset. And the leader said, we got to talk about this. Who do you think you are? You walk into this house and you do whatever you want? I don't think so. Who put you in charge that you could come and flip tables? Tell us what to do. Tell us how to do things. God put us in charge, not you. And Jesus goes back and forth with them. And he's exposing, he tells these two stories. He basically tells a story of two sons. One son, the dad says, go work in the field. He goes, I ain't doing that. <laughs> then he changes his mind and goes and does it. Second son says, yes, sir, right away, sir. That dude doesn't go work in the field. And Jesus tells the story, he says, listen, the, the one that obeyed at the very beginning was like, I'm not doing that. And then obeyed like that, that. That's the one that obeyed his father. And all of you religious need to hear this. And he says that the prostitutes and tax collectors are getting into heaven before you and you're watching it happen and you still won't change your mind. Not soft and cuddly Jesus in that conversation, is he? Listen, but think about that. He said the prostitutes he tells the most clean people, the most religious people, the people who've memorized most of the Bible and everything that they do from what they eat to how they dress to the way they schedule their week is centered on God. And he says, prostitutes are getting in before you. Man, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> or worse, he says, the tax collectors, listen, the greedy dudes that are unpatriotic, that have sold their country out to make a buck, those dudes are getting in before you guys. Man, Jesus preaches hard. <laughs> he preaches aggressive. And listen, they hear this and here's what Jesus is saying. You're about to reject me. Don't do it. I'm telling you, please don't reject me. That's what Jesus is saying to the religious. I'm here for all of you, the religious and the unreligious. I'm here to get every man, woman, and child I want all of you, don't reject me. Listen, that, that, he's going to tell a story. That's what we're looking at today. As he's responding to them about to reject them. I want, I want all of you to hear this. this. This is why I think this message hits for us. I'm concerned that there's some of you in here that are on the edge of rejecting Jesus. Maybe you already have. Maybe you're about to. Maybe you're in the process of rejecting him right now. And I think he would have a message for you. It says, don't do it. Religious, irreligious, some of you are here. And listen, you, you've had the worst things happen to you in your entire life. Your life is broken and jacked up and you're showing up here on a Sunday morning. This is your Hail Mary pass. You're saying, listen, just if something's got to work, maybe that'll work for me. So you're showing up here, giving us a shot, saying, will that work for me? And I want you to hear something. Jesus has a message for you. If you're throwing the Hail Mary, you feel like you're drowning in all sorts of brokenness and mistakes. If your life is dysfunctional and broken, Jesus has something for you today. So let's read his story of what he says. Let me, let me tell you what's about to happen. Matthew chapter 21, verse 45, he just tells these stories. You're about to reject me. And then here's what they do. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this, heard, this, heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. They're like, I think he's talking about us. I think even though he just directly said it, <laughs> I think he's saying that we're about to reject him. And the answer is yes. Here's what they do. Verse 46. And although they were seeking to arrest him, 
That's re- that's re- would be rejecting Jesus in case you didn't know that. Okay. If he rolls an Italian, like arrest that dude and kill him. That's, I would count that as rejection. Okay. Just in case you were wondering, it's blatant. If you can't put those pieces together, just I can't help you. Um, They're seeking to arrest him, but they feared the crowds. Like, there's too much peer pressure. We can't do this in front of everyone. What will they think about us? My image will be tarnished if they find out that I'm trying to arrest this guy and have him killed. So we got to do it in secret. The religious do an awful lot of bad things in secret. And they were afraid of the crowds because the crowds held him to be a prophet. So, so here's Jesus. He says, you're about to reject me. And you're like, we're not, we're not rejecting you. Get that guy killed when no one's looking. That's what just happened right there. But he's not done. He's telling his story. So look at what he does in chapter 22. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, he's going to tell a story because he's good at stories. Verse two, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. So, so here's, here's what it's like. He's like, God, I want to tell you a story. This will help you understand what's happening. There's this king and his son's about to get married to this awesome woman. And he's like, dude, we're throwing a party. And the way they did wedding feasts back then, it's not the way we do it now. It's not like, hey, come Saturday. Here's a save the date. We're going to have this wedding. You come to the wedding. We'll go eat and dance for a little while. And then everyone will go on their way. It, it, it was not that. It was much bigger than that. Like dads of, of daughters, if you think your wedding bill is big now, you ain't seen nothing till you'll see an ancient Middle Eastern wedding. That party lasted for like a week. And for the king to say, listen, I'm the king and I'm inviting you. I'm the king of everything and I'm inviting you to come to my son's wedding and it's going to be an awesome party. Listen, that's an honor, right? Like, I mean, I mean, think about that. Like for a king, I, I don't know that we have a really good illustration of that, but just say you got invited to a royal wedding in England. I don't know if that even makes you want to go. Anybody would want to go to a royal wedding in England? Okay, well, that, that's why we rebelled. We'll just say there's a royal wedding in Canada. I don't know. Forget the English. Uh, go America. Um, <laughs> so say there's a king somewhere that you actually want to get to know. And this dude says you get an invite in the mail. And you know it's not a scam. You, you check Snopes and make sure this is a real invitation. I really get to go. And he, he's paying for my plane ticket. And he's got this paying for my lodging. He's paying for it all. I'm going to a king's wedding. Like, this is going to be awesome. And all the ladies are like, yes. And all the guys are like, I, I don't think so. Can we just go barbecue? Or I don't know what the guys want to do, but just go with, bear with me, guys. Just You want to be at this feast. So here's what the guy does. Verse three. So he sends his servants to call those who are invited. I told you the wedding is coming. He gave him a save the date. It's going to be awesome. So he sends his servant out and said, hey, the wedding's happening. He sent his servant to call those who are invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. The Greek is a little bit more aggressive. It actually is. They repeatedly refused. They repeatedly refused saying, I don't want to come. And the servants are saying, come on, it's ready. I don't want to come. Come on, it's ready. He wants you to come to his party. I don't think so. Over and over and over again, this king is being rejected by these people. They're saying, we don't, we don't want to come to your stupid party. That means, listen, that means he's inviting over and over and over again. And for all of you in this room, I need you to hear this. God is constantly and repeatedly calling us and inviting us in. With every sunset and sunrise that you see, there's an invitation from the king for you to join him. Listen, every good day that you have, every bad day that you have, 
every cancer diagnosis, every day of you feeling great as can be, every coronavirus scare, and every time you've got the vaccine and you're good to go. With every good thing and bad thing, every mundane thing, God is constantly and repeatedly saying, come here. Come on. Come be with me. Come to my party. Just come on. I, I want you to be with me. He's constantly inviting us, all of us. He wants all of us and everyone at all time to come and be with him. Verse four. So these guys are saying, I don't, I don't think so. I don't want that. Verse four. So he sends more guys. He sent other servants. Like, okay, they're not listening to that. Let me send better servants. Servants that communi can communicate better or nicer or more articulate. Maybe they're more respected. I'm going to send as many servants as I can. Whatever type of servant it takes to get these people to come to my party, I'm sending them all. You want a tall servant? I'm sending tall servants. You want a short servant? I'm sending a short servant. You want a funny servant? Listen, I got funny servants. I'm sending them out to invite you. I'm going to have them come up with whatever ways possible to invite you to come and be a part of my party. So he sends all these servants and they're saying, tell those who are invited, listen, tell them how awesome it's going to be. Listen to this spread. See, I prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Now that may not seem like much to you. Let me put it this way. I got filet mignon and a lot of it. Ruth's Chris is coming. Have y'all ever been to Ruth's Chris? Okay, I haven't. I've heard it's amazing. All right, my wife didn't like steak. Her dad took her to Ruth Chris. Now she loves steak. Like this is apparently a life-changing experience to eat a steak from Ruth's Chris. My life has never been changed but I still like steak. I don't, I, maybe it'll just make it worse for me. But he said, listen, I got, I got the best steak and I got lots of it. I mean, it's going to be coming out in platterfuls, cooked perfectly, just the way you want it. And you're vegetarian. Listen, I got hummus. We're going to throw hummus, the best hummus you ever had. We'll make veggie burgers. I don't care what you want. I'm going to make the best feast that you could possibly imagine. It's all ready. Why don't you come to my party? Now listen, I, I don't know about you, but at some point, I got to look at the thing and bro, you got to stop being so desperate. Like these people don't want to come to your party, right? But listen, if you think that God is a desperate middle school boy that just really wants a girl to dance with him, you're missing this. This king isn't a middle school boy that hopes some girl looks at him. This is the king. He doesn't need your attention. He's giving you his. I don't, don't, don't miss that. Like he's looking at you saying, no, I'm, I'm not less. I'm just really kind and gracious and loving. And I want you. I don't know how we get this flipped upside down. Somehow, somehow church and Christianity becomes this thing, but you better measure up and you better act up. You better do what's right. No, Christianity is about this God that says, no, I love you and I want you and I'm doing whatever it takes to come and get you. That's the story. The king is calling all of us, all of us. And these people are refusing. And listen how insane these people are. Verse five, but they paid no attention. They just ignored the dudes. Look what they do. And went off one to his farm, another to his business. So, so here's the deal with these guys. Like, they're not doing bad things. They're going to the man's farm. The man's got a living. He's got to work. Farming is a good thing, especially if you want to feed people. 
When other guys go into his business, I got to run my business. Hey, King, I appreciate the offer. I got good things to do. I just don't have time for your party thing. I have more important things to do. Listen, I, I want you to hear this. One of the ways that you can very easily reject Jesus is with a whole bunch of good things that become God things. You can reject him doing all the right things. You can serve in church. You can be focused on providing for your family. Listen, man, you, you can do all these good things that aren't bad, but they're just the thing that get all your attention. You never actually have time for invitation from Jesus to come and join him. Listen, if there's anyone that needs to hear that, is that not us in, in the United States of America? Anybody here feel busy? Dude, listen, how many of y'all retired and you feel busy? Right? Retired people, good grief. Y'all run around like crazy. I don't know what you're doing. I got four little kids. Listen, you, Lord have mercy. I, it's eight or nine. I don't even know how old they are anymore. Nine, seven, five, and three. Like, and then another one's on the way. I don't know what I'm thinking. As if I wasn't busy enough. Let's add a fifth kid to the mix. Why not? What have we got to do? I've got nothing better to do with my days. Listen, kids will make you busy trying to play with the kids, take your kids to give them all the experiences that they want to get, whether that's t-ball or soccer or basketball, right? A whole bunch of really, really good things that will dominate your life and you will never have time for Jesus. You want to know how you can reject him? Just be too busy for him. Man, that, that one's rough. Like it, it doesn't feel like it's just totally mean. It's just, I got stuff to do. I don't have time for your wedding. I don't want to be there. I want to be here. But not all of them refuse like that. Like, I, you know, Southern Christianity, Southern people in Tallahassee, that's how we reject Jesus. We, we reject him by busyness. We, we look good. We look prestigious, but we ain't got time for that. I mean, we have time like a couple times a year, once a month. We ain't got time for him all. And that's not even, anyways, I'm, I'm getting distracted there, right? We don't have time for the real Jesus. There's others, man, they, they don't really interact with him like that. Verse six, the rest sees his servants, treated them shamefully. I don't know exactly what that means, but that's a whole lot of smacking and insults. It's not just killing the dudes. They're just beating them down and mocking them while they do it. Complete disrespect. There's some that are just too busy for the invitation. There's other people, they hear the invitation like, I ain't putting up with that. Who does he think he is inviting me to his wedding? Kill that guy. Does that seem insane to anyone else? You ever got a wedding invitation and been angry about it? What is wrong with these people? <laughs> like, has this guy thrown a bad party before? What is going on? I just said, I can't believe you invited me to this. It makes me so angry. I've got to kill the person that told me about it. Listen, you need to hear this. The problem is not the, that the king's invitation is offensive. The problem is that the king's rule is offensive. They're not mad that the king's inviting them to the party. They're mad that the king is in charge. Ever been there in your heart? That your issue with who God is and what his word says is not the way he said it. It's just that you don't want him to tell you what to do wish I hadn't been there, but I've been there. I don't want him to be in charge. That's, that's the real heart of the issue here. These guys are just expressing it differently. The one people, they don't want to be at the party. They just like other things more than him. This group, they don't want to be at the party because they don't like the king. 
Now listen, I, I don't know how things work everywhere, but I'm pretty sure that if the mailman delivers a wedding invitation, you get mad and you kill him, there's going to be some problems for you the next day, right? Like that, that doesn't work in this culture and it sure ain't going to work in an ancient culture with a king, right? Like I invited you to my party and you killed the people. This is not a sit down talk. This is going to go bad. You need to hear this. This is exactly what the nation of Israel is doing to Jesus when he is there. So what happens? Well, the king shows up. Verse 7 says this. The king was angry and he should be. Can we just be honest about this? Should the king be angry? Yes. His anger is justified. We don't want to hear that, especially if we've been the ones doing the rejecting. We want to say you're overreacting. You're too harsh. Why are you so angry? And we never want to look at the fact that maybe he's angry because we've been insulting. Deeply, deeply insulting. It's his fault that he's angry, not mine. King was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Well, that got intense real quick, right? As if it wasn't bad enough, now it just ramped up to, he was so nice and happy, and now, boom, the hammer drops. Listen, as kind as the king is, he is still the king. And he will only tolerate rejection for so long. And, and here's what happened. This is exactly what happened to Israel. They rejected him, and there was judgment for that. But but the story's not done there. I want to show you verse 8. So the king said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Listen, those dudes didn't deserve to be at my party. I, I tried. I was kind. I was gracious. They were insane and lost their minds and killed people. Listen, I'm, I'm done with this. But my son still has a party. My son is still getting married and we're going to have a party. So he says, go Get people in here. Verse nine, go therefore to the main roads, invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. You go find some people. Listen, church, you need to hear this. That is the mission of the church. The job of the church is not to be filled with a whole bunch of clean, pretty looking, nice, neat people who like to huddle together and keep all the bad people out. The mission of the church is that Jesus has a party and he wants everyone to be invited. So we've got to get out there and get as many people a chance to hear the invitation and see how kind he is and give them a chance to come to the party. This is supposed to be filled with broken people, not a bunch of clean people. Are y'all okay with that? Good. If you're not, sorry, that's what we're supposed to be doing. All right. I don't know how to do it. We'll figure it out. But that would be awesome. It'd be awesome. If that's what the church was, he keeps going there. Look at this. Verse 10. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found. Look at this. Both good and bad. I like, dude, I like that. Like, I love the fact that Jesus said, no, you need to hear this. They didn't go find all the nice people on the road. They found the good and the bad. I want all of you to hear this and hear it really, really well. God wants good and bad people. Like if you are bad, I'm talking like you just, if people knew what you thought and what you did and what your past was like, you don't think they would want to sit next to you in this room. 
I'm telling you, he wants you at the party. You cannot be so bad that he doesn't want you. His invitation, listen, his invitation for every person that has wrecked and ruined their life, destroyed their families, been wrapped up in all sorts of awfulness, it doesn't matter what it is, he's still inviting you. You can't outbad his invitation. That's good news for some of us because we've done a whole lot of bad, right? We, we can admit that, right? Okay, good. I see head nodding. Okay, I'm not, I'm not have to be yeah, Okay, listen, how about I say it this way? I've done enough bad to not be invited. Hands down. I've thought enough bad things. I've wanted enough bad things. I've done enough bad things that I'm pretty sure that if he's doing two categories, I'm not in the good category. And I, I can't out bad his invitation. I know that's not proper grammar. You can talk to me about it afterwards. It's, it's outbatted. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but here's the other good news. It, also the good. Listen, the good didn't get the original invitation because they weren't good enough to get invited. Even those of you who are good and crystal, I mean, you're super squeaky clean. You ain't done no bad stuff. You ain't done none of it. Listen, you need to hear it's all the people who are good sitting in this room. You aren't good enough to earn an invitation. He didn't go, let me go through my list of, it's not Santa Claus, right? I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice. I know who's naughty and nice. And he's like, oh, Fiaz, naughty. Oh no, nice. Wait, which, which one? I'm on the good. Yeah. Fiaz, nice. He gets an invitation. You see how nice he was to that person who cut him off in traffic yesterday? Definitely send that guy an invitation because he did not curse at them when they did that to him. I'm so proud of him, right? He, he's not sitting there going, you're nice. You get an invitation to the party. He's saying, listen, you got a pulse. You breathe, I want you there. Listen, for all the church people who've done all the good your entire life, you ain't earned an invitation. Your good isn't good enough. He's saying, I want you. Why don't you come on in? Why don't you come to my party? Don't think you earned it. Don't show up all cocky in here saying, look how good I am. I got invited to the king's party. That ain't gonna work. That's not how he's rolling. He's saying, I want you at my party. I want all of you here Listen, I just, church, I, I love the fact that he wants good and bad. And it says this, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. I, I, I just, I, I can't get over the mercy and kindness of God to sit there and say, I'm going to have a party and I'm going to invite everybody in. Listen, I get invited. I'm great with that because I want to go party with him. That's how that works. But the story could just end there, but, but Jesus doesn't end it there. I because we didn't know how to get into the party. There's actually a few rules. He may seem nice, nice and gracious, but he's got a couple, a little bit of standard. I want you to see what he does. You look at verse 11. But when the king, Kim, king, <laughs> hold on. I know that word. That's the word king. Sorry. I, uh, I, I don't know why I read Kim there, but, uh, but when the king, tough word, <laughs> came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. Okay. He's not naked. Don't think. He's walking through, seeing who's all the people at my party. There's a naked guy. It's not that, okay? Um, in case you got like all weirded out, like what kind of party is this? Um, he, he walks in, there's a guy that has no wedding garment. In other words, the dude just came straight off the field, exactly as he was. They came in and invited said, yeah, I'll come to a party. I would love to come to a party at the, at the king's palace. I'm coming to the party. Let's go to the party. And he shows up and, and here's what, what's probably happening. The, the king's probably saying, listen, I got a party, but I need to clean everyone that comes in here. I can't have 
my son's party being filled with people who still smell and stink and they've got dirt on them. Clean them up and give them brand new clothes. So you walk in, you get a nice suit that fits you. And if you don't want a suit, like, uh, just go with the suit, okay? He's got a tux for you. He's got people measuring, fitting it. You walk in, you got a tux. Ladies, you got a gown, you're walking in. He's not gonna have a king's party with all these dignitaries and have you feeling like you don't fit in. He's, he's not gonna let you show up in shorts and a t-shirt to his wedding, right? He's saying, listen, I'm gonna have, it's gonna be a king's wedding and people dress up and if you can't afford the tux, I got one for you. I need you to hear this. There's good news in this. Like he's, he's offering, saying, I'm going to clean you up and dress you up exactly how you have to look at my own expense. I'm providing everything you need. And this dude didn't have the tux on. And he's saying, hey, buddy. He says, friend. Look at verse two. He said to him, friend, how'd you get in here without a wedding garment? Hey, bro, how'd you get in here without a tux? Buddy. He said, buddy. He was trying to be nice. Okay, he's, not, he's like, hey, moron, what, what, what gives? Let me tell you what, what probably happened here. Dude shows up. I got invited to the party. I'm really pumped. The king says, his server said, here's how you get clean. Listen, there's a shower right over there. We got soap, everything you need. He's going to have you cleaned. And here's the tux that's fitted just for you. Get those old dirty clothes off and put this on. It's yours. It, you know what? It's actually his son's closet. It's his son's tux. This is a prince's garment he's putting on you. Dude said, I don't think so. I like the way I'm dressed. Oh, oh, okay. Like, hey, no, really, the king wants everyone to be dressed just right. You, you don't have to buy this. He ain't charging you. He bought it for you. It's a gift. Just put the tux on, man. Let him clean you up and come on in. Ah. No, 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 I don't want to owe him anything. I, I bought this. I, I can't be in front of the king with something he bought for me. I need to be in front of the king with something I bought for myself. It ain't that bad. Listen, you need to hear this. Look at what the king does. And this is going to feel shocking. But when he asked the dude, hey man, how'd you get here without a wedding garment? The guy, he was speechless. Verse 13, look at what the king does. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him out into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few were chosen. Oh, yikes. King just went crazy all of a sudden. No, listen, here's the deal. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. He says this, you aren't clean enough and you aren't good enough. I still love you. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross because he was gonna clean us and give us brand new clothes. You don't get into the party with your clothes, with your works, with your goodness. You get into the party with the goodness of Jesus. Does that make sense? Are you seeing this? I know it seems harsh and crazy, but it is shockingly arrogant to walk up to the king who's offering you a change of clothes and offering you the shower and he's paying for all of it. And you say, no, you take me just the way I am. I, let's not go to church. I was baptized. I, I'm a good person. I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. Look at how clean I am. I fit in in church. It doesn't matter. You don't have to fit into church. You need his goodness put on you and cleaning you. He cleans you. He makes you fit in. You cannot make yourself fit in. And if you reject his offer, you're still rejecting him. That, that's the good news. Everyone, I want you to hear this. You can reject Jesus, not just by busyness or by flat refusal. 
You can reject Jesus by thinking you come to him on your own terms. We come to him by his grace and mercy. And it may feel hard and harsh, but it's not because the gracious offer is huge. Let me, let me remind you the good news because this is what I need you to hear. I don't want you to leave here rejecting Jesus. Here's the good news. God, the Bible says that God made every man, woman, and child of every ability and every talent and every background and every race, everything you can imagine. He made every single person in his image and he really likes the way he made you. He made you beautiful and distinct and just the way he wanted. And it's really pleasing to him. But there's a problem. The problem is that sin, our rebellion got inside of us and it rewired who we are. That even the goodness that we do can get tainted by rebellion and stubbornness and self-righteousness and independence. We've twisted it. And what he does, he sent his son, Jesus, who, who shows up and says, I'm going to show up here and I'm going to clean these people. And Jesus went, he took all of my brokenness and stubbornness and he died on the cross and God put all of it, all of it, past, present and future for everyone in all the universe for all time. He put all of it on Jesus. And he punished him on our behalf. The Bible says that Jesus died. And what happened is today's what we're talking about. He came back to life three days later. And here's what he offers every single one of us. I will clean you and give you a new heart. And you don't have to earn it. I don't need you to be good. I will do all the work. I just need you to trust me and ask me to save you. Take the clothes. Take my offer. Not your own mine and I will change you and I will make you part of the family and I'll adopt you. And listen, I will work on you. And when you die, you, there will be a resurrection one day and I will make you completely brand spanking new. That's the good news. Listen, I, I want to make the offer to everyone here today that Jesus is offering you. Don't reject him. Don't reject him by just saying no. Don't reject him with busyness. Don't reject him by coming to him on your own terms. We come on his terms. Today, the call for everyone is accept him. Accept his offer. Come and join the party. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to give you a moment to kind of do business with God right there in your seat. A few moments, some music's going to be playing. And, and I don't know what God would have said to you. But let me tell you how this will work. I, I'm going to give a few moments of quiet as the music plays, but there's also rooms in the back as we're talking through this. I have decision counselors back there. If you need to speak with someone about something God did in your heart at any moment for the rest of the service, you can go back there and speak to someone. There's also rooms if you don't want to speak to anyone, you just need some time to do business with God and pray. Those rooms are open for you for as long as you want. They'll be socially distanced and give you space to do business with God if you need to do that. It's in the back. You'll see people back there. You can go there at any moment, but let me just remind you, for everyone here, Jesus is inviting you. He's offering to clean you and change you. Listen, the question is simple. Are you going to reject him? For some of you, you've been too busy and too distracted to accept his invitation. Listen, now's the chance. It doesn't have to be that way. For some of you, it's not busyness. It's just been a flat no. 
listen, it's never too late. The invitation is still there. No matter what you've done, he still invites you. For some of you, you've been coming to him on your own terms. You've rejected the clothes that he offers. Listen, don't do that. Let him clean you and change you. For some of you, you're trying to figure this out. You haven't been rejecting him. You've accepted him. And listen, for you, the thing is enjoy the invitation. Enjoy the party. Heavenly Father, God, none of us are worthy. None of us are good enough to earn your invitation. And none of us have been so bad that your invitation can't reach us. So I pray for every person in this room. God, if there's people who are rejecting you or about to reject you, I pray you would do a work in the heart and they would see how gracious and kind and merciful you are. God, if there's someone here that's still on that Hail Mary pass where they feel like, man, just everything's about to crumble. God, I pray you'd be with those people right now that they would meet you and see how kind and gracious you are and that they would be welcomed into your family and they would love it. God, for those who've been busy, I pray that you would work in their heart, that they would make time for you. Not church, you. God, for those who have never placed their trust in you, I pray today they would do that. They would not leave here without asking you to save them, having a real encounter with the living God. The, the good news is what it is. God, I pray you would do that work in our hearts. And I pray that all in Jesus' name.